and welcome to season two of Mindful Makers, a show that brings us many perspectives on what it means to take care of ourselves whilst creating a positive impact on the world around us. We're kicking off season two from a place that is incredibly close to my heart, my hometown, London. Being able to record an episode in London is a perfect reflection of what came out from last season, which is that the Mindful Makers community is fast, wide, and has no borders. You are truly a global community, and I am so grateful to be able to take the show on the road in this way to celebrate you. Another beautiful gift that I learned from season one is that it takes courage, strength, and sometimes the support of a special few to be able to transform and create from a space of adversity, pain, or uncertainty. And to help me ignite the flame of season two is a lady who has done exactly that. She is a shining example of transformation from a place of adversity. Not only did she transform, but she continues to enhance the lives of others as a result, which is music to my ears. I'll let her share her journey with you as we speak, but I can honestly say her work, her spirit, her generosity, and her creativity have personally transformed the way that I see many aspects of life, including healing modalities, nutrition, self-care, and the power of the human body. But enough from me, let's dive in and meet our guest, Jane Hutchison. She is the founder of the first space in London, totally dedicated to non-toxic practice and personal sustainability as a means to illness prevention. The space is called Hello Love, which is also home to the registered breast cancer charity, also founded by Jane, called Hello Beautiful, which I think is a perfect way to kick off the show during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great. Such a nice intro. <laughs> I've oh, been excited from the for heart. this for ages. <laughs> Thank you for taking time out of what I know is a very busy schedule for you and wanting to share your world with our community. I'm really, really grateful. Thank you. I also feel really honoured because we've been discussing this show for a while. I think from my research as well, I've I've seen your interviews in Vogue and on BBC, so I feel like there's a lot of pressure. I feel pressure now. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, but I hope we live up to your expectations of experiences that you've had. <laughs> Seriously, though, welcome to Mindful <laughs> Thank Makers. You. So I love to start the show by reflecting on where our Mindful Makers begin their journeys and the paths that they take. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey in creating Hello Love? Yes, yeah, so my background is design. Um, so I'm a graphic designer by trade. So I worked many, many years, um, mainly in retail and branding design. And then um, I set up Hello Love Studio, which is a um, graphic design company. We do lots of international projects with different retail designers, basically. Uh, about three months, I think, into setting up, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and didn't know anything really about cancer. It was a brand new experience. Didn't know anyone in the family that had cancer. I didn't really even know what cancer was. You know, it was just mm -hmm. like this word you hear about that isn't really talked about. So the first week into treatment, I knew that I wanted to set up a charity 
decided yes pretty much straight away basically because the way I was being treated at the hospitals and I just felt like I was an old lady and an outsider and I was looked down upon and it felt like I felt like I wasn't meant to be myself like I was almost meant to have pity for myself because I had cancer and meant to all of a sudden become ill because that's apparently what cancer makes you do and feel uh, so first of all I wanted to really create a charity that talked about art and art therapy and art awareness and also I didn't know there was millions of types of breast cancer I just thought it was breast cancer and then I wanted to talk about the beauty of change and surgeries and not having to feel like you have to have a reconstruction and that flat is beautiful and all these pressures of society that you know have bombarded with us over the years that just to start changing perspectives and help people talk about cancer more freely uh, I knew someone saw me in the V&A of a bald head and they said, I didn't know what, to, I, I just didn't come and see you because I didn't know what to say. And I realized then that friends and people were avoiding me and not knowing what to say. So I wanted to make cancer, you know, more talked about experience. Mm. So yeah, we decided to set up a wellness space. Wow. Which was hella love. <laughs> so, so incredibly eye-opening. You know, we forget that there is you know, this C word mm. does carry so much weight, but also it has such a spectrum to it mm. and affects everybody in such different ways. But yeah, because definitely. it falls under this um, umbrella, mm. somehow there is that kind of barrier yeah. into trying to raise awareness or perspective around it or curiosity as well. And hats off to you for taking something from that deeply personal experience and shining a light on it in this mm -hmm. way, because I feel like that's where curiosity comes, you know, and you're able to start conversations, like you said, that mm, definitely. allow for more understanding, allow for more inner peace, mm. that allow for something to cling on to when I imagine would be the most darkest times of people's lives. You expect them to be really dark. <laughs> like for me, I was like, oh, if, I always thought like if my parents got cancer, how awful it would be. But I think it's when it was myself, I almost felt in control right from the beginning. And I was glad really it was me and not someone close to me. So I almost felt empowered that it was me and not someone else right from the start. Mm. And also we wanted to create a space that was full of joy and color and light and being vibrant because you go to hospitals and all these medical places that are so white and clinical and they just feel make you feel like you had terror straight away and they make you feel you know on edge and tense so I wanted really to create a space that was just beautiful to go in where people with cancer could come and not feel like they're in a hospital or a clinical space that stank of chemicals. Mm. <laughs> So tell us a little bit more about this space. I've visited it and I think it's incredible. I mean, every time I come, I feel so inspired by the artwork that you have there, by the products you have there. But how did it slowly come to be? I imagine it wasn't like that from day one. Where did the layers start to come in into Hello Love? Uh, well, first of all, we decided to do lots of art exhibitions and awareness campaigns so we did different festivals we hired a gallery for a couple of weeks just to like test the waters of how a space would start to become and grow and then we were lucky enough to it was only three years after I was diagnosed that we opened Teller Love but it's completely changed since we opened the doors it was like empty <laughs> an empty shell even for the first year it was just like yeah just a shell because we had this space but we really didn't know how to fill it so we started to fill it with our own art 
So we do a lot of screen printing, a lot of uh, art awareness campaigns, and then we just meet people along the way, uh, meet loads of different artists and get them involved as well. So when an artist sells their work in the shop, half goes to the artist and half goes to charity. Mm, that's lovely. Yeah, so supporting the local artists and then, yeah, supporting charity. But we support about 50 different charities within the space. Wow. And are they all linked to cancer or are they different types of charities? Different. Lots of like um, smaller charities because I know the big charities get so much money and there's not enough support for the small ones. So it's just basically people that we meet. We do lots of, we've done like dog cafes, dog therapy. We do lots of mental health charities, uh, refugees, different cancer charities. Yeah, just a lot of different small, really independent, great charities. Hmm. You mentioned something really interesting earlier about positivity and the power of having this outlook through such a difficult experience. I wonder sometimes about this myself because I've heard, you know, we hear a lot about the power of the mind and this positive outlook, but sometimes, honestly, you just feel rubbish. Mm, right. And <laughs> it's really hard to feel like, I'm going to put a positive spin on something when you, you're down in, in the gutter sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Do you find anything particular helped you when you were in those moments or did you just not go there? Because it's a lot of pressure, right, to try and make yourself feel good when you don't. I think for me it was the people around me were so uplifting and so spiritual in a way and that for me was a major source of comfort so my family Kevin was amazing my parents my brother like all these people out there were so just uplifting and always talking about the positive and in the end I realized that I even stopped feeling some symptoms like I'd feel so much pain and stuff but if I led if I trained my mind not to think of those things and actually think of positive things I actually didn't feel the pain because wow. the chemo obviously makes you bones ache and makes you feel horrendous um yeah like the flu but like a hundred times worse mm. <laughs> but so it really it's not was. about being positive all the time because obviously I had dark moments and you have to embrace those moments you know when you're alone on a night or asleep in bed and your mind's whirling around and you know it's to release all the tears and the crying as well as the positive mindset but I think don't dwell on the negative mm. for too long otherwise you'll go down that negative Spiral. route yeah yeah, so about balancing it and yeah, knowing how much yeah. to release. Yeah. Or but a good cry is really, really healthy. Cathartic. And then you feel better afterwards, maybe not straight away, but a few days later. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big crier. I cry mm. when I'm happy, when I'm yeah, sad. Yeah, it, me just, too. it just gushes out of me. Everyone's like, why are you always crying? But actually... I'm nearly crying at your intro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that means I did my job well. Yeah. <laughs> Show me the tears. So, um, Seriously, though, I think coming back to that, acknowledging those moments where we are feeling less than positive and treating ourselves with compassion has the power also to transform, I think, you know, because sometimes when we try and I find track something only into solely being positive, we can whitewash things or I guess emotionally glaze over things. But there's so much trauma and I've realized because cancer, I think, is a lifelong journey as well because you, you know, you have to always be aware of it when you have cancer and had cancer and like prevent, for me, preventing a reoccurrence. So it's almost going to the dark moments and healing the trauma and you have to bring up the pain, you have to go there and that's the route to healing. 
in many ways. And lots of people's we've learned over the years, lots of people's, everyone I've uh, spoken to that has cancer has had some really deep personal trauma issue or stress and anxiety. And when our cells aren't happy, then our body's not happy. And that's when cancer can start to form. And yeah, Mm. so yeah, you have to really go to the negative places as well to begin the healing journey. Mm, Like going (laughs) down in order to go back up again. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So when it comes to advice and when I imagine a lot of people come to you to begin their healing journeys or different parts of their healing journeys what's the most common piece of advice you tend to share with them? Well firstly I always say that everyone's journey is completely different and you should never look really at others and what they're doing as your source of well I need to be like them so that's definitely not a good but you really need to embrace everything that is out there for you for instance when I got diagnosed I must have read about 100 books even probably even more just to really I just wanted to gain so much knowledge I went down personally the chemo route and the medical route um, but then I realized all the side effects from it so in the end I stopped my treatment but that was a personal choice Um, and I wouldn't suggest anyone else to do that but for me my journey was all about growth and development and I knew how to I almost released fear when I was diagnosed with cancer so I think my journey began from a place of total freedom in lots of ways so I tell people you know embrace different practices what's right for one isn't right for someone else but just embrace as much as you can your gut will tell you what is good for you and it changes all the time when I was first diagnosed qigong was amazing for me I had lymphedema which I managed to heal through doing qigong Uh, yeah it took about three years but it completely healed that's incredible yeah (laughs) it's amazing all these practices that are out there that are practiced for thousands of years but we often you know forget about them in this culture or don't even know about them to begin with so we help to educate about all the things that are out there very interesting I'm going to come back to that later because (laughs) there's so much that I want to unpack about these healing modalities when it comes to the key pillars actually of practicing a non-toxic life and promoting wellness and healing from your perspective what are those key pillars that we can at least focus on to try and harness these aspects in our lives Mm. so we have a lecture series that we do around uh, different universities and schools and people come to that space as well Uh, so we talk about non-toxic practice and personal sustainability so it's really on three levels the mind body and spirit so the mind just releasing negative emotional negative feelings and thoughts and really embracing holistic Uh, mindful practices and then the body really having a plant-based diet organic whole foods without different chemicals and pesticides so really getting rid of all of the um, chemicals that seep into our skin they've uh, dissected breast cancer tumors and they can find that 80 percent of the tumor is full of everyday chemicals that we're using through our skin wash through our hair care even our makeup one girl I met had eye cancer because she wore this Uh, toxic makeup all the time so it's really learning about different parabens and different chemicals that are laced in our everyday environment even the paint on the walls you know in hello love we have non-toxic paint from devon so there's chemicals in all our environments it's just helping to strip it out and then the spirit really embracing uh, more mindful holistic practices to help with our spiritual journey on this planet as well and how we treat each other it's really important and When it comes to things like 
paint, for example, not everybody can, I guess, change that about their environment mm. if they're already existing in spaces right. or, you know, they haven't got access to that kind of resource. What would you say they can do about that? Well, this is what we say to everyone as well, because there's so much you can do in life to change, but it's not, you don't get stressed about it and don't have fear about it. And it's just over time, you can change things. So say you repaint your house in five years time, then think about doing that then. So every little, you know, step helps. Um, you can also have a lot of plants around you. So plants help too. There's a big study by NASA that proved that plants get rid of some of the chemicals in the air. We have loads of plants at Hella Love because we're in the middle of central London, which isn't healthy, but Absolutely. you know, there's all I've this... seen that road that you're on yeah, and there's yeah. constantly <laughs> like someone's doing construction or yeah, they're digging yeah, up the road. Terrible. And, yeah. So yeah. we fill the space with uh, loads of plants uh, to help with that. There's also a Dyson uh, filter you can get that helps <laughs> oh, <I love> mine. <laughs> promoting. <laughs> What I love about that is that it empowers us to look at our lives in its entirety, not just one aspect of it, saying that, okay, here's where we can put a bandage on something, but rather looking at how we can affect change for ourselves, for the environment, for society, for our friends, for our family, and all live in a in a more harmonious way, Definitely, right? yeah. Mm. And the thing about Hello Love is you've also got places like the dojo where there are different practices that you also promote. How did you decide what practices should go in there? Because you've got such a wide variety from like qigong to crystal bowl sound healing. I'm very curious, how did you arrive in them? I think a lot just happened as well. People that we met along the way. So everything comes from a place of healing. So every different practice is really thinking about the cancer patients first, but thinking everyone, you know, everyone can come to the space, but cancer patients get free access. Okay. So you provide these classes and workshops uh, for everybody. Yeah. But everyone, cancer yeah. patients can come for free. Yeah. And then the people that pay helps to pay for the free cancer patients. Mm, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And you arrived at, so Qigong, how did you? So Qigong was from, again, my own personal experience. I got my own um, teacher initially to come and do some classes yes. at Hella Love. So that I'd heard about Qigong and healing and just embraced it. And I just saw the massive benefits. It helps to drain your lymphatic system. And it's just so beneficial. Mm. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It heals different organs in your body as well. And uh, you can feel energy going through your body. And my, I remember my teacher saying, you know, you're not an expert in five, ten years. His teacher told him that it was like a lifetime. Even when you're 90, you can't say you're an expert. Wow. <laughs> I love that way of life, yeah. Always so, learning, yeah, always, always progressing, learning, yeah. always evolving. Yeah, definitely. And rebounding, I've heard that that's a massively important tool in order to detoxify the lymphatic system as well. Yes. Tell me a little bit more about that. So it's weird because we've had rebounding on for, I'd say, three years. And at the beginning, no one came at all. I was just rebounding myself. Oh, bless you. <laughs> but now every, people come all the time. I don't know what's happened, but I think it's just the knowledge in society as well. When people hear about things, then they start to come. So yeah, rebounding is amazing. Just two minutes and your whole lymphatic system is drained. So it helps get rid of everyday toxins and it speeds up that process. Uh, so yeah, it's absolutely amazing and that helps again with lymphatic drainage if you have lymphedema and helps your whole body detox so the toxins actually start coming out of your skin can anyone do it 
anyone can do it. Yeah, my mom does it. Um, yeah, it's really fun as well. It's not, you know, some things you do a bit. People are like, oh, I can't be bothered. But you could do it watching the telly. You know, it wow. just, it's really nice. Just like jumping on a trampoline. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. But we also have practices like we've really got into things that I didn't even know myself before we opened the space. So outer body experiences, lucid dreaming. So embracing your dream state and being able to be conscious within your own dreams and start to heal from within. So all these different things. Is that, that something that you can learn? Everyone can learn it. Anyone could even learn to have an outer body experience. It's absolutely fascinating. Wow. Yeah. I thought you'd have to take some banned substances in order to do that <laughs> yeah that's the thing right we just we don't know much in life really and it's just there's so much out there that we need to learn and explore that will help us in our daily lives I've now learned to lose your dream and it's unbelievable wow I need to I definitely need <laughs> yeah, yeah, to hit you up about tips. that because that sounds <laughs> incredibly fun <laughs> so in terms of setting up hello love you know you were in this space where you'd been diagnosed and you were having treatment and your life as you knew it had changed. And fast forward a few years later, you're healed, you're well, you're teaching everybody about all these things that you've learned along the way. Were there any times when you were going through the journey of setting up Hello Love to what it is today, where you felt there were big challenges and if so what were those challenges other than your health yeah so many challenges along the way even when we first started people said don't bother doing it it's not going to work you're going to you'll never generate enough income to keep it running we didn't even have enough income to begin with when we got the place and the landlord wasn't nice at all and he wanted a year's rent up front and he increased our rent because he knew we were a charity so all these different obstacles were happening and we were like, we're just going to go for it. So even when we had lots of pro bono work along the way, things, doors just kept opening. So my old design company did some design work for me. Another friend and her company donated the kitchen. So we had all these like free add-ons. Then we got an amazing law firm to do the contract for the space. But there was so many challenges. But I think when you come from a place where you're like now me and Kevin, like this is a life of service for us, like help, just helping other people. I think when you come from that place that you want to help, I think the universe or whatever it is just opens doors and makes things happen. So mm. yeah, I just think that any challenges, it's not like, it's just being open to them as well and open to change and even directions we go down might be a brick wall so then it's like if something else comes up just go go with it hmm. <laughs> I guess the the lesson I would take from that is not letting anything stick too long mm, even though it is a bump in the yeah, road yeah yeah hmm. and not think that anything can't happen as well and can't be done so even when we didn't have the money we didn't say well let's not bother let's just get a proper job somewhere else or work for another charity we just in our hearts we were like no this is meant to be and it's meant to happen and so many spiritual things happened along the way as well that's incredible <laughs> yeah. little signs from the universe signs, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so from the workshops and classes and the guidance that you organize in this space have you seen a particular shift in demand over the last few years or have you gravitated more towards a specific area where you know you can help others the most has there been like a particular pattern that you've noticed I think it's almost a before and after covid pattern 
Um, so when we first set up, we have an organic plant-based cafe, but no one knew that seven years ago really what plant-based was. So we're like, oh, we're going to have to call it a vegan cafe. So even then, you know, vegan doesn't actually mean it's healthy. So that's why we wanted to call it plant-based. But people would come in and we'd sell. We don't have any sugar and people would be like, complaining, getting angry that we didn't have sugar. Um, They'd get angry. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> people shouting abuse, all sorts. <laughs> it's okay, people. You can find your sugar elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Fret not. Just don't go to see Jane. No. <laughs> but then we don't have dairy and people, I'd say out of eight out of 10 people used to leave, even get angry as well that we didn't have dairy. How could we not have dairy? Um, but since COVID, I think it's opened people's mind to, you know, really embracing self-healing techniques and being more um, aware of their own health and things they can do to help every day. So people, there's a massive shift of people embracing, just coming in and even older people or people that you wouldn't expect to be vegan, they'll be like, oh, can I have an oat latte? Or, you know, they just, there's a lot more awareness out there from people. Uh, in general we talk a lot about prevention as well so but we've always seen that the English almost seem a bit hesitant about some of these changes um mm. yeah we have and a lot think- of Americans that come that really understand and have already been embracing it the wellness space for a lot of years so they're more open to it mm. and you think that the pandemic really highlighted that in a different way for society as to how they can take the power of their own health and well-being into their hands through nutrition and Definitely. through re-looking at what they put into their yeah, bodies. Yeah, and I think all these new documentaries that are popping up like Cowspiracy and The Game Changers and things like this, people are starting to watch and really understand. I think as well about the climate change and their understanding that you, know, you shouldn't eat so much meat and, and then realising the benefit on their own health. But I think with COVID, people started to become more aware and more interested in looking after themselves. Fantastic Fungi was one of my best oh, yeah, documentaries. Yeah. I, I loved watching that. that. One. It's so remember, great. Yeah, that came out in the pandemic, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really fascinating to see how the world of mushrooms could really transform oh, yeah. so many different aspects of life, not just one. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really big game changer. And the way that they're all connected underground oh, and yeah, how they communicate with each other. And oh my God, it's just mind blowing. <laughs> now, every time I see it, like go to a farmer's market and I look at the mushrooms, I almost have like a conversation with them. Right. Like, Hi, how are you <laughs> oh, being? <laughs> they could be really useful. Yeah, incredibly useful. Yeah, especially for mental health and yeah. all sorts of different practices. And not even that, I mean, even just the the reishis, right, the yeah, turkey tails, yeah, definitely. you know, the mm. maitake, all those ones that come out and a part of a lot of people's daily diet, you know, they, they're fascinating yeah, in terms yeah. of the way and they delicious. can work. And delicious, <laughs> yes. So through Hello Love and Hello Beautiful, you've collaborated with some really big names ranging from Stella McCartney to the Marley family. I know that Stella Marley was uh, an artist in residence for a month with you guys, right? And she curated a number of events, including poetry readings, film screenings, and her first ever live music performance yes, in the wow, space. Yes, you know it all. <laughs> I do my research. Yeah. And also Rohan Marley's a proud supporter of your space and provides coffee there, I believe. Is that yes, true? Yeah, he provides the coffee, yeah. That brings me to wonder, how do you choose your collaborators and your 
partners or people that you work with, ranging from everyone to, you know, artists or suppliers or products? What's the process you go through? Everything has to come from a place of sustainability. So the Marley family, Stella McCartney, Stella McCartney's mom had breast cancer. So it was so, and she's always on about sustainability. So for her, it was a perfect choice. I think it's just people with the same values as us. So the artists, you know, any work that's inspiring and uplifting, lots of people that we know and meet along the way. But again, all these collaborations have happened with through a really, I'd say like through my own mind and the universe and asking for things. <laughs> you manifested them into your I, space. I actually did. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so I went... Um, to see this spiritual lady and she told me that this was before I opened Hello Love and I've been wanting to get in touch with Stella McCartney for a lot of years and I just sent random emails to some web email I found on a, some website and never get any response and then she said when you go home tonight just talk out loud she said there's so many people that have passed that want to help you and that want to help in the journey so on the way home I was like I really want Stella McCartney to get involved with the charity. A week later, I got a call from a friend and I went out for a meal. She said she was going out for a meal with another friend. The whole night, I didn't know who this lady was. We just had a lovely night and I talked about the charity. I somehow men mentioned Stella McCartney and she said her husband worked in fashion. I didn't know anything else. Had a really nice night, really lovely lady, left. And then I got a call to say um, the lady that was out with us was... Uh, the wife of the boss of Kering, which owned Stella McCartney at the time. And she was having brunch with Stella McCartney. Oh, and wow. she'd love to be involved with the charity. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, amazing. That is an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. Power of manifestation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do you run manifestation workshops at Hello Love? I should. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Wow, yeah. Because it's also quite funny because the other day when... We were at Hello Love Together. Mm. You showed me the bras that Stella McCartney had designed yeah, for your charity. Yeah. And the next day I walked past her in the street. I know, right, you said. <laughs> you were manifesting. And I just thought, what on earth is going on here? <laughs> so maybe I'd like, flash your bra at her, did you? <laughs> I think we like rubbed I, I rubbed shoulders with you and I must right, have yeah. sort of got that twinkle of the manifestation power from you. Right. So what would you say are any of the particular practices for you that ground you um, during times of chaos or during times of uncertainty? Well, for me, I think I've tried everything, all different practices. So I really embrace them. Everything we do at uh, Hello Love, I really delve deep into them and see what's right for me. But I think mindfulness is something I do all the time so even with Qigong you learn how to do walking meditation so just being aware of your surroundings always just being in the moment not thinking not stressing about the future not thinking about the past so that's been a massive part of my daily life brings me back really grounded uh, yeah I think yeah just being a bit more mindful of everything in life and understanding other people's feelings and emotions and why some people get upset and it's not really anything to do with you but something they're going through so I think that helps day to day. 
Mm, present moment living mm, definitely mm. I play a lot of sport and I had this discussion with my netball team and I was saying it's so it's like a mindful practice playing netball because you can't think of anything else in the game so you, that's all you're thinking about netball and it, afterwards you feel absolutely amazing and it just helps to de-stress swimming as well swimming practices helps. where movement and the body is put into motion definitely have yeah. incredible power and I think I've seen that as a recurring theme through our mindful makers as well for me personally it's dance I know that whenever I'm at five rhythms I could just disappear onto another planet literally and it's it's phenomenal how I feel afterwards yeah definitely mm. yeah the old things like that yeah and through your experience and and what happened through your diagnosis did you ever at one point believe that there was a message in there for you? Like, had you been living your life a certain way and you felt like, what is it that I can learn from this experience? How would you describe that learning that comes out of it? I think to me, like cancer was a blessing in so many ways, as hard as it was to go through. And it was a horrible time and experience, the amount that I've learned from it. And I almost feel like I was meant to go through it especially to, I think I was meant to do this charity and I was meant to have cancer to know and I was meant to go through chemo and all these different toxic treatments to help heal from the inside and help other people learn about uh, ways to heal and how the mind is so important. Before, when I got cancer, I thought I was healthy and I thought, why me? Like everyone thinks, right, why have I got cancer? I thought I eat relatively healthy but over time I realized I wasn't really eating that healthy I ate loads of fruit every day raspberries and things I'd never washed them so I realized they were laced with different chemicals that I was eating every day and I think just the buildup of toxins I was really stressed at work um, it was a stressful job I think all this built up and that's why I got cancer I also had a really high estrogen and my cancer was uh, high in estrogen and I remember when I was 12, I went to the doctors and she said, oh, you got really high estrogen. And I was like, was that an issue? And she told me, no, no, don't worry about it, nothing. But if I'd known back then all the ways to naturally bring your own estrogen levels down, uh, I could have potentially prevented having cancer. So I think as well, it's like awareness and helping people be educated, helping people bring down their own estrogen levels. Balance their hormones. Yeah, balancing the hormones, yeah. Mm. So in fact, you know, it's just more education on that that we don't really have. And what would you say to, when you come across any skeptics that think, well, you know, this is just a bunch of fluff, you know, all we think about is the facts and science. How do you deal with them? Uh, there is a lot of skeptics because <laughs> we've got an open door policy at the shop. So you don't know who's coming in every day. I remember once a lady came in who was husband had just passed away uh, obviously she was in a terrible space she didn't know what she was walking into and we I didn't know her husband had just passed away from cancer we were just talking about the space and what it was and she basically just started arguing I thought she was going to hit me at one point saying how could I teach people about you know these practices and it wasn't going to help anybody but I just realized she was coming from a place her own place so I don't take those issues on so much personally yeah personally yeah yeah I think it's really important to allow understanding mm, for everybody else's yeah, journey yeah. And, and everyone's at different stages, stages. as well mm. yeah I mean I wasn't into health or well-being very much before so 
Yeah, everyone's stage of life changes. At some point, you must feel like, oh, I just fancy something sweet or I want a glass of wine. Please tell me you do. (laughs) We used to have treat Fridays. So on a Friday, we'd, yeah, just eat something unhealthy. And then they started to drift away. I think when you get more and more healthy, you don't really fancy stuff. And then you feel just horrible after you've eaten it. But I do have treats now and again. Mm, it's good to balance out I've heard about the 80-20 rule somebody told me about Mm, that recently where you like 80% very conscious aware of food or looking at the benefits of your nutrition and then 20% of the time you can have that glass of Prosecco yeah 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 I think once like it's a yeah definitely like for me I think I'm probably like 98% (laughs) but still that seems like a massive treat the you know yeah, small percentage, but yeah, I think for me as well over the years, just how I feel so great inside from eating healthy. That when I remember um, I went out with a friend, they were going to for afternoon tea, so I decided to go and have. I had you know didn't say no, and I had all this cake and sugar and stuff. But I just felt afterwards like I'd got the flu. Wow. Um, yeah, my whole your body, body wasn't used to it anymore. Wasn't used to it now. So then very I was interesting like, to yeah. see what happens oh, once you've like yeah. cleansed you detox, your body, yeah. and then yeah. you put something into it that doesn't belong there. It just speaks to you. Yeah, but mm. I do love fish and chips every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? And it falls perfectly into the treat Friday. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So I love to wrap up the show with two questions which you might have heard from season one yes I did (laughs) and the first one is what song would epitomize you or hello love I think this has definitely got to be Bob Marley and Natural Mystic I love it oh my god I can hear it already what great song (laughs) so the story goes I was a massive Bob Marley fan since I was a kid and the day Sailor, well, so Sailor Marley, who collaborates with the space, she, me and Kevin were shutting up one Friday evening, but something just told us just to not leave the shop. So we just sat down in the front window. We were just chatting. I think it was a nice, lovely summer day when the door opened in walk Sailor Marley. And she stayed for five hours chatting. And she told us later, not on that day, that something had told her to walk down the street. Wow. <laughs> And Bob Marley's song, you know, Natural Mystic, Blowing Through the Air. If you listen carefully, you'll hear. I honestly think there was a connection there that she was meant to come. She did a great month collaboration. So there's so much out there that we're unaware of and like this manifestation stuff. But just if your heart is open and you want to help others, then things, I think, just fit into place. Yeah. So, yeah. And holding out that hope yeah, and, definitely. and not giving up, I think, is really important. Great. <laughs> and if you could take one item from your life to the moon with you, what would it be and why? <laughs> this is a really cool question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I think because I'm always on the go, I always have to be creating or doing something. So for me, I make a lot of crafts and I sell a lot of the crafts in the shop. So I'd have to take the biggest ever like punch needle kit in my spaceship <laughs> that I could last for like a whole lifetime. I think I just find it really mindful. Yeah, it's like art therapy and I think art is real medicine. So you have access to creativity wherever yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. And that connection back to earth. 
<laughs> Amazing. I love it. Well, Jane, it's been such an honor having you on the show. It's been great. I'm such an admirer and fan of your work, your space, and I just love being able to connect with you no matter where we are in the world and and take these snippets of light and advice and just, you know, curiosity about the world around us from you. And thank you for sharing the ways in which they are truly multidimensional, non-toxic ways of treating life. I think it's incredible. Thank you. Excited to hear the podcast. And so if any of you wonderful listeners have any questions about today, I will put details of Hello Love and Hello Beautiful in the show notes for you. And please remember that, as Jane said earlier, everybody is different. And if you or any of your loved ones have been affected by cancer, please make sure that you seek professional advice or speak to your medical team if you have any questions. And do feel free to reach out to Jane if anything in the show has resonated with you as well. Until next time, stay open, stay mindful, and I'll catch you on the flip side. 